lovely to be here. And in my guise as a historical novelist, which is actually how I spent most of my time in between all the other things, um, I kind of hoped I would be paired with a woman. And the reason for that is I am a SWAT, and I spend a lot of my time in the archive. And there's a really magical moment, it's like mining, it's like treasure hunting, where you open up an old box and inside there are some letters, and maybe nobody has looked at them for a very long time, and you start to read. And as you read those words, it's as if that person who has been gone for 100 or 200 or 300 years is standing next to you, and they're telling you about what is on their mind and what they're doing. And in my experience in archives, I spend a lot of time in there because I'm a bit addicted, and the material that pertains to women is particularly rare. And finding this whole treasure trove of archive by Elizabeth Fry was just so exciting for me. Um, Elizabeth Fry was an amazing campaigner for people's rights, human rights, um, in her era. And she visited prisons at a time when prisons were really not somewhere that you would dream of going. And particularly not as someone from her social situation, because she was a lady, a very grand lady. Um, the word lady in our culture today, we associate it with etiquette and the way that you dress and all different kinds of morals. But in fact, in our country, we have a very strong tradition of militant campaigning women. And people immediately, of course, think of the suffragettes when they hear that. Um, but it was going on for a long time before the suffragettes. My favorite um, militant women are, in fact, the Stuart women, because I'm Scottish. And the Stuart women seem to spend a good deal of their time breaking their husbands out of the Tower of London, um, because the Hanoverians wanted to string them up. Um, Elizabeth Fry didn't do that, um, but the bravery that it took for her to, um, to visit a section of society, and this was a society which was extremely fragmented, it was a society where the poor had no rights and the rich had all the rights, and prisons were these terrifying, dark, scary places, and Elizabeth was famously afraid of the dark, and there she went into these places that were dark morally and physically and politically really as well. I often write, um, and I'm drawn to write, about women who travelled in this era, um, because she was late Georgian, early Victorian, and, and I was so happy to get someone in that era, because it's an era I know really well. Um, and I am drawn to them because these women have adventures, because they have travelled. Elizabeth Fry had her adventures at home. Um, her family called her Betsy. And I think there is a real um, contrast there between her Mrs. Fry persona, her prison reforming persona, and the voice in those letters that I sat and read for hours and hours on end. Um, it was this charming, family-orientated, wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, I often find when I'm writing uh, characters that I have met already through their own words that I do so in memoriam. So that's what I called the piece, I called it In Memoriam, and this is how it goes. Constraint is a cause more difficult than freedom. We hide it, closeted, shuttered, barred and bound, corseted in darkness, to see the heart beating bloody and purple, to see to the heart and not flinch, takes all a woman's softness. We danced at Earlham Hall that summer to light the encroaching pitch. 
We gulp down terror and lit a candle in memoriam. Betsy will be there, the last she clasped. Brave Betsy watches you wretched, and you are someone again in her eyes. The alley of Gurney closes all shadow, and from the roof, the ravens account man's wickedness. Pity the poor, pity the poor. A sin as light as a feather will see them swing. Over the wall, the garden is, the garden is verdant, a place of ribboned children, running as only children catch can. There lies a nursery rhyme of buttered bread and blameless bedtime prayers. From the shade, you see more clearly. From the shade, you thank God there is bright light somewhere, a vision beyond fettered despair. Hope. Betsy calls it a blessing, a privilege. Such notions, drowsy syrup and thick velvet, shroud the way like fog. And yet, still-eyed, she shines, calling across the sand, a beacon, keeping alive our flesh and blood, embossing our stories on the fabric of memory. In a pauper's cell, the woman cries, quivering, she wipes her tears with a rough hand, a line left by a ragged nail on the cushion of her cheek. Destitute at 18, and she has four children, four little birds, fluttering, fragile too young to realize the sentence that's been passed. What will become of them? What will become? Died of a fever, died of the cold, died of the hunger. None will die old. Steady watchers, our Betsy's reverberate the echo of lost souls, the dying pulse of filthy perdition, our failings. Despite justice, some are ever hopeless, voiceless, lost. Betsy calls them. Pity the poor, pity the poor, a privilege, such notions. Dragging the full 200 years of history on her back, she hauls shameful shadows into the light, else in one wishful blink are all our lessons gone.